Hey everyone, this is Jody Vesley again here with the Heartway Pastor and Missionary Caregiver Podcast. We have done three seasons so far uh, of this podcast, and that's all been uh, since around really the start of February of this year. Um, I I don't want to get caught up in, in one singular topic, and so every 10 episodes we start a new season. And so this season, season four, uh, we're going to get into the need for care, the need for care for for yourself, for others, the need for care. And so, um, you know, Heartway is all about care, you know, hence the name Heartway Pastor and Missionary Caregivers. Um, everything that my wife and I do it is revolved around care. And each episode, we're going to bring out different subtopics, uh, different topics of care. And so as we get into this today, um, first off, I just want to make sure you're in the right heart and the right mindset when you when you listen to these things, because, you know, I think I do think, you know, anytime you listen to a, a podcast, it's a time for self-reflection it's uh, a time to think a time to reflect and uh, whether it be you're, you're driving somewhere you're you're doing um, some type of workout uh, you're doing some some work in your house or your yard uh, what, whatever the case may be um, when you're listening to this podcast episode here today just take a few minutes and few seconds here and and think on how might God speak to my heart today how might God speak to my mind today am I am I willing to self-reflect right now can I take just a few minutes and focus in on on these things and so I, I hope I hope that we can um honestly each each of these episodes I prepare and record are honestly therapeutic to me, and sometimes I benefit weirdly enough from from listening to them later on um, after after I record them, uh, kind of listening to it as I as I edit it, as I add the background music, as I prepare the the image for the episode of the podcast that I'm going to uh, share with with my podcast hosting and so uh, yeah it's it's a time that's therapeutic for me too and so the thing is is we need to see that everyone needs care at times God takes care of us if you look at Psalm 23 in the first six verses Especially, you can you can you can see that, that that God takes care of us. The Lord is my shepherd; I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. And in verse 6, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. God takes care of us. It's it's no uh, mystery. If you're if you're a Christian and you and you believe in Jesus and you and you follow Christ and and you're on this journey with God, you you've experienced God's care. And you can see it in your life and you can think on those times that he's taken care of you in, in ways that he's taking care of you now. Also about care, you know, in the church, church members take care of one another. I love this passage in Acts chapter 4, um, verses 32 through 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the lord jesus and god's grace was so powerful at work in them all and that that there were no needy persons among them from for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the cells and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And so, you know, this is just, I think it's just a beautiful picture of, of care in the church. And, 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 I, and I think about this time, and it just seems so selfless so so much good is seen in this the right heart the right mindset and 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 in that culture it just was so awesome to to see that picture and you know it's it's an encouragement to me to reflect on that and think on that and think about where i'm at and in my mindset in my um, life of gratitude in my life of giving you know how where am I at in that process where am I at you know what how how can I function to a level like this church did in Acts chapter 4 and I I think that's a, a healthy thing for us to reflect on You know, what about those times when care is needed, though, uh, or you would be incredibly, or it would be incredibly helpful for you, but there's no one to go to in your church? Um, You know, in in these cases, um, you know, God, God is always with us. Um, There, there come some times we just need practical care from people and God uses people to provide that practical care. Um, and, and sometimes, in a, in a lot of cases, maybe this chick, this care can come from people in our churches, but maybe this isn't always the case. Practical, helpful, you know, needed care um, that, that maybe just aren't in your local church body. You know, sometimes we just could use care that isn't available from church members and that God doesn't directly provide, but can indirectly provide through others to us. In this season, I want to focus on areas of care that we need or could greatly benefit from, but aren't generally available to the masses 
um, without you know some sort of of payment. And so today we're actually with that idea in mind, we're going to touch on this topic of care of financial coaching. Financial coaching. What is it? How can it help? Why do it? How does it work? I'm not just a Ramsey Solutions Master Financial Coach, but I, I also have a degree in accounting and have a little experience in accounting for the corporate world. Generally, those in the financial world who are, are those who are in the financial world who work in this atmosphere of finances are are who we consider you know decently well off. Uh, in American terms, I would I would not classify our family per, per se as decently well off. Um, yes, we, we own a home, uh, but that was really just out of necessity in the situation that we're put in by God and in the economic situation of 2021. And with that being said, I can I can relate to I can relate on a great level to living in an average to below average lifestyle of the typical American family. I understand what it feels like to not have a savings and to see how it might seem unattainable to to save what you would like to save. Uh, I understand what it feels like to not comprehend uh, how to financially maintain and own a vehicle or vehicles. I understand what it feels like for being res- responsible uh, for raising your own salary, if you're a church planter or missionary that that's had that experience, I understand what it feels like to not have health insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance. I understand what it feels like to live paycheck to paycheck. I understand what it feels like to not have financial peace. Uh, I, I've I've been through some of that, and and some of it, you know, I'm still in the midst of. Not that I don't have financial peace, but, you know, it definitely is a thing that if you aren't mindful of, it can, and, and you disregard and you become uh, maybe a little careless with or just put on the back burner, it can, it can creep up, it can, it can come up. And then suddenly you're, you're in a situation, a uh, situation where that, that peace isn't there anymore. With all this being said, I will tell you in our current financial state that we are in a difficult season. Uh, we unexpectedly had to move in the midst of COVID and, and change our ministry around and, and find two vehicles while having none beforehand and with no plans to have one in our, in our situation in Russia uh, and, and to have a home now where before we are just renting uh, an apartment in a foreign country. And, and just the whole slew of other stuff um, that comes with moving to and living in America. So we're still feeling that difficult season uh, a little over a year after going through the beginning phases of that transition. And, and inflation hasn't made that any easier. How, how is it that, um, you know, that we could, we could help you um, even though maybe we weren't, as well off as you know a CPA might be that that's not in ministry that, that has his own practice and and whatnot. Well, the thing is, is um, I, I think it is helpful. I think it's helpful when you have someone that understands a little bit more of your situation that that has been through some some difficulties that has that has um, you know 
has and is going through similar things to what you're going through in terms of of ministry and how uh, you know you've kind of been called to and, and chosen to follow this lifestyle that you know isn't going to be a lifestyle where you ever are really living financially in a situation like potentially what you could if you went off into the secular world and and were focused on earning funds in that way not to say that god doesn't provide and god doesn't bless he does provide he he does bless but you know at least what we've noticed is he provides and he blesses financially he provides and he blesses in other ways too and so you know thinking about this whole financial coaching thing and and finances it's just it's just that you know money doesn't need to be such a huge focus all the time for us in ministry but there but that doesn't mean we can't ignore it like we need to be wise with god has provided us with we need to be wise with what we're doing with that and so for us to be honest um we are not through all of you know ramsey's seven baby steps financial freedom honestly uh we're in we're in baby step three and that you know that's i feel like that's been a step we've just been in for a long time uh which is you know trying to save an emergency fund equivalent to three months plus of our of our salary which when you don't make a lot above what you spend it takes a while uh it takes a while and inflation definitely increases that time that it takes and so i'm not here uh with all this said i'm not here to judge where you're at uh <laughs> like i said i can't be judgmental of that whether whether you're baby step or you whether you need to start baby step one just saving that initial a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars for an emergency uh or whether you have a hundred thousand dollars plus of consumer debt and student loans or whether you're quite well off for whatever reason and you're just trying to do step seven better of the of the steps which is building wealth and and giving uh it's no secret that um it's very helpful to to make more money if you already have some money to work with um you know and and so you don't like I, I'm trained in these situations to, to coach you whatever situation you're in. And so um, the thing is is wherever you're at in the in the baby steps, um, you just need to be content with that, um, that you're in that journey, not content with like the idea of, well, I'm here, I, I'm okay with this and this is where I'm stopping. But content with the idea of you know, it, it, it can take time. It can be a process. And maybe in your season of life, um, you know, you're, you're not going to go through these steps as quickly as you would like. It's just part of it. And and we need to be content in, in all situations um, and learn that contentment as, as Paul did. And so um, the need for financial coaching now is more helpful than ever. Uh, financial coaches don't tell you what to do. They ask questions and give information for you to figure out what to do on your own and then encourage you to follow through on that and provide accountability along the way. 
and so I was recently listening to a radio station in the Houston area, and the DJ mentioned that the impact uh, of inflation, that it's made a drastic change to her family's budget and, and financial life. And she said she doesn't know anyone not being affected, and those who are saying aren't are, are lying. And, you know, that really resonated with me because I feel like I have been one of the few families really feeling the impact of inflation. It also made me think people aren't being as honest or don't know their real financial situation. Um, you know, since that time period, I've been in touch with some others that, that, that aren't in this situation. Like for them right now, they've, you know, maybe gotten promotions or, or had job changes or through to some other external influence, they, they're just not in a, they're not feeling the inflation really right now. And I can say, you know, that's awesome if that's, you know, your situation. You can still benefit from financial coaching, whether that's your situation or whether that isn't your situation. Uh, I can say for our family that we've definitely been feeling the inflation. Honestly, one of our convictions has always been to, to do our best to stay out of debt. And I know that not everyone thinks that way. Um, some people, you know, see see benefit to debt and, and things like that and uh, couldn't imagine living their life without debt. According to financial experts, uh, this is from an article I found. Uh, according to financial experts, the percentage of Americans in debt is around 80%. Uh, eight in 10 Americans have some form of consumer debt. And the, and the average amount of debt in America is $38,000, not including mortgage debt. And so it's been an interesting time here, here of late, especially inflation topped a 41-year high in June. Um, a lot of Americans have blown through their lockdown savings uh, through COVID on essentials like gasoline, which, is, which went up about 60% in a year. Uh, electricity about 14%, um, home-cooked meals are around 12%. And I honestly don't want to think about what I spent on gas this summer. Uh, we traveled a lot, mostly for necessity, re necessary reasons, uh, and gas was uh, really high during those times. You know, today we're going to get into the nitty-gritty uh, of budgeting. Because, you know, without a budget, it can... It's, it's easy to not have peace about your financial situation. Uh, of course, you can be peaceful about your financial situation, but it's ignoring your financial situation. There's there's a small part in you that, that, that <laughs> you know, um, is like, hey, you know, what's going to happen? What what are things going to be like? Like, what is this? Is this wise just to ignore and, and it's not wise to ignore. Um, I think I think we all know that. Um, but sometimes we just do it out of as a survival mechanism. Like I don't want to think about it because it's just going to be sad. Uh, if you're, especially if you're in a situation of, of debt, and it's going to seem overwhelming. And so the, the danger of that is by by ignoring it, it's not going to get better. It's just you know, going to get worse. And what that can potentially lead to down the road is you're just delaying that feeling 
you're delaying dealing with something and instead of dealing with it now in a, in a way that might be more manageable even though it seems unmanageable uh, is is dealing with it now is, is is the better choice rather than rather than waiting uh, waiting is never going to be the solution to, to getting out of debt like the debt is just increasing with whatever interest rates that you have on your on your debts you know that's just going to keep increasing uh, the amount owed the amount owed the amount owed and so you can end up in this situation where when you ignore it and you're just making really low payments it's not helping it's really i mean it's not helping to to get out of the situation there's no plan in place and so i want to encourage you to to stop delaying and uh, procrastinating and ignoring but just to go ahead and deal with the situation and it, like i said it's just going to be better in the end um to have a picture of, of where you're at and a plan going forward just that just having an, an understanding of where you're at your real situation and then having a plan going forward that just that can help give you peace rather than than just this unknown of like what are we gonna do what's going to happen are we gonna lose our vehicles are we gonna lose our home are we gonna need to move there's all these questions that you have you know in the back of your mind like what is this gonna lead to down the road am i ever gonna be able to retire you know um, and th- these are legitimate questions that you need to deal with now and not put them off with you know inevitable like with no end in sight you know for us I know I know what it's like to have a tight budget uh, <laughs> and um, and you're looking for more space in that budget whether you're, you're reducing some items or or cutting some items or increasing income and for us i know we have been cutting for some time now for for well over a year and as inflation has increased this has complicated matters what can you reduce or cut out and you know a couple of those main categories that we can cut uh, out completely um, or reduce that if you haven't already done so is is eating out and entertainment these are easy categories to adjust that aren't necessities we can get into a little bit of this uh, because there's this, so many like subscriptions these days and and streaming services and and we tend not to to think about that and um, you know one of the things that we're implementing as a family and it's just being wise with our finances is if there's a streaming service like if we have which we do we have more than one streaming service and we at the moment you know don't really have anything that we're wanting to watch or will be wanting to watch soon on one of the services um, we just go ahead and are cutting that subscription and uh, wait you know watching others and then 
when something does pop up, more one or more things on that service that we'd be interested in watching, uh, we cut out uh, one of our other services and then focus in on that. And so this is really, I mean, it, it's it's not huge amounts of money, but it's just not waste. Like because you know, a lot of times we we have a subscription we're paying, and you know, every month we we pay for it, and then just think for a second, like, did I use that this month? Did I use it the previous month? Do I plan to use it this coming month? And when we start thinking about like what we're paying for, but like versus what we're actually using, you know, there's no there's no penalty for a, a lot of these you know subscriptions. There's no there's no benefit to, to keeping it as opposed to canceling it and then restarting it. Like there's just no reason to not do that. Uh, other than you know, just taking a couple minutes to, to go through that process. I mean, you're talking about eating out. I, I have thought about the figures of that and and added it all up. Um, I don't know if that'd be interesting to any of you guys, but I was going to share it real quick. Um, if it, it, it's going to be cheaper for most all families uh, with kids, for for families with kids. To cook rather than eat out—that's that's no mystery. And if you think, yeah, there's, you know, we we eat out for really cheap and and all this. Um, you know, if you were to if you had a family of four and you managed to find a place to eat out for let's say sixteen dollars, that would be really low for your family to eat out. A family of four, uh, and you times that by uh, lunch and a dinner a day, and for thirty days a month. That's nine hundred and sixty dollars for a month, just for lunch and dinner every day, and that's you know eating stuff that isn't super healthy and balanced. Uh, let's just say junk. Um, like that wouldn't be great for your health, uh, and we're not including snacks and breakfast in that amount. Well, our family of five, uh, we currently operate, and that was a family of four. Our family of five, we currently operate on a nine hundred and fifty dollar a month budget on eating out, groceries, toiletries, paper goods, etc. Um, we, we include all of that into that amount. Um, so it's definitely not cheaper to eat out as a family with kids. Yeah, don't don't believe that. Uh, and on the flip side, family of five, it's easy easy to spend $60 at a, at a sit-down restaurant, at least $30 at fast food places. And you, you think about this, and, and that's, you know, that's not even necessarily the best restaurants so if you if you factored it in with you know different restaurants nicer restaurants and you you average that cost out over three meals a day for a month you'd be spending over five thousand dollars a month just on food which is insane to think about and maybe for you it's not your it's not insane maybe you just you're in a situation where uh, that's that's a you know a normal amount that you can spend on that and that's that's fine i mean that's if that works for you, then that works for you. But I think for, for most families of five, that's an unrealistic amount. You know, in terms of cutting in, in, in the in the grocery stores, because like you definitely see inflation there. Maybe you're already shopping the cells. Maybe you're not eating out. Maybe you're using little to no money already on entertainment every month, and you're still struggling at this point to make ends meet uh, and and to save. Because honestly, we. If we're not saving, we're in it. We're 
we're creating situations for ourselves. Like if we're not saving for for maintenance, if we're not saving uh, like maintenance on our homes or maintenance on our vehicles, if we're not saving for um, our next vehicles, if you're not saving for those things, you're not really not making ends meet uh, because eventually you're going to be in a situation where you have to spend money because your car isn't running and you're not going to have the money to do that. So you're going to be in a situation of getting into more debt. Uh, so anyways, so you definitely need to be saving if you're not able to save um, that's not a part of your budget, the saving, uh, it needs to be a part of your budget. So if you've already been cutting and you, and you don't know where else to cut, consider these things. Can you downgrade your vehicle to reduce or eliminate your car payment or just get some extra crash for a season? Do you have an extra vehicle that really isn't that necessary that you can part with? Um, this would reduce insurance fees, maintenance costs, uh, all while giving you some extra cash. What if you really can't cut anymore or doing so would just make your life or your family so difficult that it's not really worth the stress and time. Well, in this case, you can look for ways to increase your income. Maybe you can sell some things you no longer need. Maybe you can get a side job. Maybe you can ask for a raise. I've heard of lots of jobs giving raises. Don't be afraid to ask. Uh, it's better to be honest and upfront about your situation than just to avoid the uncomfortable feelings that asking for a raise may invoke. Maybe you can change jobs. I personally noticed that in terms of online-only jobs, that there are jobs that pay much better, that have companies located in areas of higher cost of living that you can uh, get uh, while staying in your place for, of residency. I, I know people have benefited from this uh, personally. So for ministers, um, there's a lot to consider when adding income. For one, it may not be allowed. Secondly, it may hinder your ability to do ministry. Thirdly, it may hinder your family life. Fourthly, it may uh, run you ragged and lead you into burnout. I think the main question to consider is, what is what does God will? Uh, obviously, God called you to the ministry and your place in ministry. Does He want you to? Does He want to open up an additional opportunity to you in ministry, or does He want you to have a secular job? There's no singular answer for all situations and people. For us, in our current situation, we feel like God wants us to stay solely in ministry and that uh, and that beginning to charge for what we're doing is going to hinder what God has led us to do for the reasons He has led us to do it. So unless we see another way, unless we see no other way and are maxed out on what we can cut and add, we're not going to add a secular job. However, I don't think it is a bad thing to have an additional job as a minister. For a lot of people, it's helped them, uh, and it's helped their ministries and their families. Just for a, a, a side point real quick, for those um, church planners and missionaries out there that raise their own funds, um, I know a majority of those uh, that enter in that situation lack funds from that Um from that deputation and fundraising, yeah, a majority of the people that I know that do that lack. Uh, so this is an awesome time for churches and Christians to step up and minister. Uh, some people are living extremely comfortable right now, maybe in step seven. I would encourage you to ask the question, where can I help? Where can I, uh, where can I help? Have you asked that? Uh, and begin seeking areas to help in. Don't just ask, don't just get stuck in that. Begin seeking out areas where you can help. I'm sure there are 
people in your church that are in situations. Some may have made poor decisions. Some have, may, maybe they haven't made poor decisions. For most all of us, uh, we make poor decisions at times. Other than us, I can give, I can, I can promote several different missionaries to you that you could use your support. We are trying to figure out all this and how it's going to work. Uh, if you're a missionary in that situation today where you are lacking in, in terms of the of the fundraising and, and you're listening today, I want to encourage you to reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to be able to promote you, your ministry, and your need to those who are looking to help. Missionaries are greatly benefited when others promote them and share their needs with those who are in situations to help. Uh, so that's a way you can help missionaries if maybe you're not in a situation to give right now, just promoting them to others and, and eventually, you know, there may be some some people who are in the situation where they can give and, and do give. A lot of ministers don't have the opportunity to work a second job. Maybe the church doesn't pay enough or can't pay enough. If there are church members out there listening and knowing that you are paying your ministers lower than average salary in your area, you need to take steps to change that. And remember to take into account the taxes, the health costs, the housing costs, etc. that the minister has. So if they make if they make the average salary in paper, the average salary in, in your area on paper, uh, they don't actually... Uh, make that in, in, in real money. So what I mean by that is they're paying more in income taxes than you think. Uh, if you don't, if they don't have health insurance provided by the church, they're making much less than you would think. So please put some prayer and thought into what you are paying your ministers. Did you know that the median salary for a pastor, this is the, the median salary for a pastor in Texas is just over $100,000, like right at $100,000. Uh, that's unbelievable. I don't. I don't know a single pastor, missionary, or minister that makes that much or even close to it. Uh, not one personally, anyways. You know, I mean, we, we hear of uh, television pastors and and whatnot, and, and we know about that. But you know, personally, I don't know uh, someone in ministry in that position. That's the salary from the church. And I think we need to understand that we are way underpaying pastors, missionaries, and ministers. Good ministers are putting in more hours than you would think. Good ministers are more educated and trained uh, than you would think. More Good ministers are able to help people in a variety of areas of, of stress and, and trauma and with difficult situations, and they do this on a regular basis. So just you know, put some thought and prayer behind what you are paying your ministers. I don't think this is an issue but one person on staff shouldn't be paid in an extreme excess while another person on staff is hardly paid. Uh, surely more experience and more um, more responsibilities of the job are deserving of higher salaries, but let us not be the CEOs of the church world taking in high salaries while those around us are struggling. Um, if you aren't sure what to do or would just like some direction and accountability in your finances, financial coaching is for you. If you don't have to it doesn't have to take forever. Honestly, the first month or so might be the most intensive in terms of weekly meetings, but then that should wind down to monthly and semi-annual and annual meetings. Uh, financial coaching is geared to help you towards living in a 
financially peaceful situation, not ignoring your situation, but being quite aware of it and peaceful about where it is and where it is going. Financial coaching can be beneficial for anyone if you're willing to think about uh, if you're willing to think about it uh, about your situation and potentially improve your financial situation. Then it can be beneficial to you. Uh, financial coaching isn't judgmental and discouraging, but instead encouraging and informative. Um, if you're on the fence with financial coaching or don't think you have the time, just an hour a week at your convenience, we can meet on Zoom and start working through some things, whether it be building a budget or trying to figure out what to do next. If you, I want to encourage you to take advantage of this form of care that we offer. It will be worth your time. Uh, your info will be kept confidential. No one else will know you're doing it unless you tell them. Uh, I look forward to hearing from someone this week about financial coaching. Uh, I'm praying for that. I'm here for you and, and want you to do well so that you can focus more on other things in life. One last thing, um, our church treasurer, which I really expect her, respect her. She, she shared with me uh, a video uh, this morning and I, I, I had a chance to listen to some of it and um, I got to a point and I, and I was listening to it and I thought, yeah, this would be a good thing that could be helpful to share uh, on the podcast today. And it's from a Andy Stanley sermon. In this, he, uh, you, you can find it on YouTube, uh, but he takes uh, what, what another guy says about five things to do with your money. Uh, which is number one, spend it. Number two, repay debt. Number three, pay taxes. Number four, save it. And number five, give it. And, and I'll really, a lot of us uh, probably go through and, and do those things with our money in that order. Uh, and when you think about it, when that number one, spend the money, the five things you do with money, you spend it, that's putting yourself first. That's, that's what you're doing when that's the first thing you would do with your money. Spend it, you're putting yourself first. And then number two, repaying debt, you're putting the creditors second uh, by, by doing that. And then thirdly, if you're paying, you know, you're, when you pay your taxes, if that's the third thing you do with your money in that order, you're putting the government third. And then saving your money, uh, you're talking about number four, you're putting, again, yourself fourth. So you're putting yourself first when you spend it and yourself fourth when you save it. And then number five, giving it, you're putting others last in that situation. And I think, I think I've mentioned this before, if I haven't, we want to make sure that, you know, our offerings to God and our help to others isn't just with our leftovers. You know, it's not really a sacrifice. It's not really a form of worship to God when we just give them our leftovers. Um, you know, we spend everything. And then if we have leftovers, we give out of that leftovers to God. It's not. That's really not a great way to live your Christian life. And so, when you're when you're handling your money this way, you're really not being a Christian. It, it's not Christ-like at all to do this. And I know that Baby Step Seven focuses on on giving and the Ramsey steps. But even if you're not in the first Baby Step, uh, and you're a Christian, you should be giving. Um, you know, we use the ten percent tithe as as a as a as a guide to like, yeah, this is you know, this amount is God's. 
that we're giving back to him as a form of worship. And then we give our offerings on top of um, of that, more money on top of that in excess of that tithe. Um, if you're in the situation right now um, where you just haven't given before or are giving very little, um, I just want to encourage you to, to pray about giving more. And the, the cool thing about that is when we do give more to God, even though it may not seem like a lot to you, you get to see God provide and, and bless in ways you would have never thought. And actually, when we talk about budgeting, and you know, that's not really fun things a lot of times to talk about. You know, it leads to financial peace in the end, but um, you know, sometimes it isn't fun, especially when you're in a situation to talk about budgeting and things. Um, but when you give, that is <laughs> that is one of the fun things about um, about finances. And you know, as you manage your finances well, the idea is you can get more and more and more. You know, the, the wealthiest people in the world are are definitely not the most generous. There's a reason that they have as much as they do, and it doesn't have to do with generosity. Um, even if they do give more dollar for dollar wise than you do, and they probably do for whatever reasons. Um, but percentage-wise, you know, if you think about percentage-wise of what you have and what you give as a percentage, you know, that's that's a better way to measure generosity um, rather than the dollar amount. And so it is strange, right, when you think about this because in churches a lot of times uh, – that, that I've seen, and I think it's a reoccurring issue, is that uh, you know, people who have a lot in terms of resources, in terms of money, um, they tend to be, you know, have this type of almost power uh, in churches just by default. Of, of where, because of the amount they're giving and the amount they contribute, that they're able to weigh in more heavily on decisions. And the reality is, um, weirdly enough, is that for some of these people, percentage-wise, they might be giving a lot less than some of the other people in the church that maybe almost don't even have a voice in the church. So actually, maybe they're a lot less generous than these other people who who don't have as much. And actually, you know, generosity is more Christ-like than just having a lot. And so it's really interesting. You know, if you step back and you think about it like that, like, wow, um, uh, it's just something to, to ponder, to reflect on. I'm not trying to, to solve any anything's going on in your church um, but just trying to draw you know awareness to uh, just because someone um, seems to be struggling or barely making ends meet doesn't mean that they're not generous maybe maybe they're one of the most generous people in your your church and so um, yeah just uh, don't uh, don't get too caught up in that um, but yeah, I think you know. I know uh, giving is a, is a way that we, as Christians, stand out. Um, giving with our time, our effort, our finances, um, 
and and so you know as a financial coach um you know, i would ask you like to to consider your giving to like just to think on that would you would you you know like to give would that be something that you know how much would you like to get what percentage would you like to give uh, and, and and try to coach you through giving as the lord lays on your heart and needs on your heart and that's just one of the things uh one of the things one of the benefits of financial coaching and that's i mean that's helpful for any and every one of us uh, right uh, so uh, this has been a really good podcast. Um, I, know, I know that these topics can be difficult about finances, but I, I just want to encourage you um, not to be stressed about your situation, not to be ignorant of your situation, but just to get some financial coaching uh, that's that's geared towards you and your situation and will help you come up with a plan that you that works best for you in your situation and provide some accountability and working through that. And so this has been the Heartway podcast where we seek to help with issues at the source. Until next time.